0: Integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Welcome back, everyone, to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, and today we are bringing you another guest interview with Dr. Veronique, a spearheader in the world of breast cancer, particularly natural breast cancer treatments, or as she likes to say, science-based alternative cancer treatments. And this is another dual interview between Dr. Veronique and Dr. Keneally. And I just absolutely love the information that we were able to cover in this podcast interview. We're really focusing in on early breast cancer detection. Both doctors share their perspective on what are the main gaps in conventional detection of breast cancer, why a yearly mammogram probably isn't enough to catch breast cancer early, what other methods of screening and testing they recommend patients get on a yearly basis. Dr. V shares her personal story, her personal battle with breast cancer. She also shares her at-home self-exam kit that she developed and is available on the market to purchase to help women learn how to do at-home breast self-exams. And then they talk about, you know, what is the main information they would share with a patient who came in today with breast cancer? What would be some of that first information they would want to impart? to a breast cancer patient so I know this is going to be such an expansive and informative episode definitely check the show notes as we link Dr. Veronique's information her social media her website her at-home self-exam kit as well as her New York Times best-selling book so with that please enjoy this interview Well, Dr. Veronique, welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, many of our patients may know of you, but some of our listeners may not. So just for the listener who maybe hasn't heard of you before, can you share a little bit about your background? Were you always in integrative medicine? If not, what brought you into that realm? Well, I'm a Chiropractor by profession
1: and uh, way back in the early days of my career, my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and that kind of opened up the door for me to look at uh, more of an integrative approach because of course, you know, conventional doctors gave him no hope and sent him home to die, which he did, you know, within six weeks. But it just, you know, at that time, no internet, 1983, I just started doing a lot of research and talking, I talked to various clinics, cancer clinics, which were few and far between back then. and just realized that there was something that possibly could have been done for my father. But then I started thinking of all the patients that I had in my practice that had cancer. And I started applying all these principles and was seeing some amazing results, not just with cancer, but with autoimmune diseases and rheumatoid arthritis and MS and all these things. So it really got me very, very passionate about bringing this wellness message to the world.
0: That's so wonderful. Ooh. and then. Just for the listeners who may not also know, you yourself faced breast cancer specifically. And so is that what really got you honing in on this topic of breast cancer? Definitely. Um,
1: 2004, I was in the shower. I was doing a breast exam. You know, my mother had breast cancer, so I was, you know, diligent about doing exams. And doing it in the shower, standing up is not the right way to do it. But nonetheless, you know, found a lump. And that really was a shock for me because, you know, here I was, you know, 23 years into my practice, I was a wellness warrior and I was teaching my patients to be healthy and here I am facing breast cancer, you know, how is that possible? And so I just had to really um, go down the, you know, the path of, you know, what allowed this cancer to develop, what's out of balance in my life you know, what do I need to do differently? And that's when I decided to create a system, you know, the seven essential system, because, you know, just like any other woman, there were times where I was frustrated and confused and frightened and tired and, you know, I just realized that there were pieces of the puzzle that I was missing. So I wanted to really create something that women or people in general could go to so that they can go down that path of healing without being confused and overwhelmed and frustrated like I was at the time.
0: Mm -hmm. And in this interview, we're really going to focus more on early detection. And so I'm curious from both you, Dr. Veronique and Dr. Keneally, what are you seeing? Where do you feel like currently detecting breast cancer what are some of the gaps particularly in conventional medicine when it comes to detecting breast cancer where are you seeing that there's some gaps in how we do that right now well huge
1: gaps uh obviously uh we know that you know the pink month you know they troll for business to really push women towards mammograms but you know we we know that mammography is you know has a lot of holes in it you know it is not a very good diagnostic tool it's only one way of looking at the tissue causes you know a lot of compression pain radiation um so we always recommend to our clients you know don't just rely on one screening if you choose to do a mammogram that's fine but make sure that you get a second picture with an ultrasound or thermography you know mris if, if you have access to that just to make sure that you're not relying just on one picture
0: mm-hmm. dr Keneally, what about your take on that right
2: that's a <clears throat> there's a lot of misconceptions unfortunately the standard of care for women and not young women but for women 40 plus is that women should get a mammogram so that's been the dictum for quite some time and if you read your mammogram results it will tell you that your breasts are dense which is lots of women so that means you would miss lots of pathology if the breasts are dense okay so immediately and it says on the mammography report that mammogram may miss uh, you know, pathology because of the density of the breast. So mammography really shouldn't be used as to stand alone to say, okay, the che- we've checked this off and everything's fine. So one of the biggest things is, is really knowing your breast. You found your breast lump just by doing a physical exam. So women should be doing a Breast self-exam. Pick a time of the month, and they do it regularly. I know, Doctor Veronique, you have a system with the uh, the Sure Touch uh, methodology. So, yes, exactly. And so, women uh, can learn how to palpate their breasts. Now, unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't always do everything. Just because a lot of women have lumpy breasts, <laughs> but your lumpy breast, you know, okay? You know them, all right? Just like you know the freckles on your body. So it should be something you'd say, well, this is different. So Dr. B mentioned about ultrasound. Ultrasound's a beautiful technology. It detects lumps and bumps. Uh, it's not expensive it's not injurious, it's not immunosuppressive, so it's a phenomenal way of detecting lumps and bumps. The other thing is thermography. Thermography, believe it or not, has been around for many years, 50 years, okay? And so thermography tells if there's a vascular image because thermography, breasts are not typically vascular, so it will tell me cancer has a blood supply so it can be used as an early detection accompanied with the other imaging. Yes, there's MRIs. Usually we don't have to do MRIs unless we see something on the uh, ultrasound. Uh, but also if women have implants, mm-hmm. you probably will need to do an MRI because it's going to obscure what you need to see. Mm-hmm. So MR- annual MRIs may be necessary for women with Uh, implants so um, so there's way more uh, than meets the eye and unfortunately you know they've done lots of studies now on mammograms and they are not reaping the benefits of saving lives and so there's four countries who have decided to not recommend mammograms because it is not preventing or decreasing the mortality for breast cancer. Now, breast cancer is the number one cancer now in the United States. So we really need to focus on prevention, early detection, and proactive in teaching these women how to take care of themselves and know, and use the proper methodologies.
0: Mm. Well, I love that you point that out, Dr. Kneely. the early First of all, prevention, which really is not something that's being talked about in the world of cancer. It's sort of like either you're going to get it or you're not. There's no preventing it. And then secondly, catching it as early as possible. And so Dr. Veronique, we're definitely going to talk about your at home self breast exam kit. But before we get there, can you just share some of the most common breast cancer warning signs and then if there are some more obscure signs that maybe most patients aren't aware of so the typical
1: ones for breast cancer and and we encourage you know all women to do uh you know just a visual exam when they come out of the shower right just stand up in front of the mirror lift your arms up you can also bend forward uh, but you want to look at the geography of your, of your breasts. You know, is one, has one gotten smaller compared to the other one? Is there a redness? Is there pitting in the skin? Is there any itching around the nipple or in the breast tissue? Um, is there any leakage or any blood coming out of the nipple and you're not breastfeeding? Any pain, any lumps that you see? You know, those are all kind of visual things. But the more subtle things, and, and I remember experiencing this and I kind of knew in my gut, you know, I I had a recurrence in 2015 of, of breast cancer. And, you know, I was, I was tired, I was stressed out, I wasn't taking care of myself, my hormones were out of balance, I wasn't sleeping well. And if you're, you know, experiencing those things and, and you get some blood work done and you have, you know, inflammatory markers that are high or your vitamin D is low, you know, those are kind of subtle things for you to, to look out for because your body's telling you something.
0: Mm, I love that, that's such a great point. So can you now share, share with us your at-home breast self-exam kit?
1: <laughs> okay. So it's called My Breast Friend. And really um, the origination of this model comes from the uh, Mammacare organization. Um, so Mammicare was developed over 30 years ago through the help of uh, the um, National Institute of, of Health and the uh, National Cancer uh, uh, Institute. Uh, along with Dr. Goldstein, the University of uh, Florida in Gainesville, and they wanted to create a model that would train clinicians, doctors and nurses, on how to best detect a lump in women's breasts to really learn to sensitize their fingers. So they created this silicone model that has five different lumps in it, and these are replicas of lumps that were taken out of women's breasts. And so this model uh, teaches you, you know, what to look for. Because unless you know what a lump feels like, you mm-hmm. know, how are you going to make that connection? Because as Dr. Keneally mentioned, you know, our breasts are lumpy anyway. So we need to learn subtle changes in our normal geography. And then it uh, teaches us where, you know, where to look for. Because this uh, whole system, the which we we changed the, or we didn't change it, but we kind of um, renamed it for the general public because the manufacturer of the model asked me to take this to the general public so women could learn how to do a proper breast exam Mm -hmm. using this training. And so there's um, videos, instructional booklet, and it shows you exactly where you know women think that they should just check the breast tissue but you really have to follow a grid so you cover all the tissue all the way up into the collarbone into the armpit on the side underneath and then along the the chest bone the sternum but then the other thing is how you know, most women, when you show them this silicone model, they're just going to start poking in there, but mm. you have to use the pads of your fingers and you should use small circular method and you have to go light, medium and deep all the way to the chest wall because as you can, well, you can't see it on, <laughs> because this is just audio, but there's a, a lump that's way deep below the nipple. So you it teaches you to get into different positions and to go really deep into that chest wall so you can find little things that may be lurking and hiding in there. So My Breast Friend is, you know, based on the mammicare method, but it's available for women to use in the privacy of their home along with an instructional video.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious too, Dr. C, your input on that because I can tell you just as a patient I, in my whole life, had never had anyone teach me how to do that. Or briefly, maybe an old conventional doctor might have said, yeah, you know, just palpate, just palpate. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, anyone can just like tap around their breasts, but it's exactly what you're saying. What is this? Is this a lump? I don't know. It feels like something.
2: So I, I think the, the problem is, is that we're not taught self-awareness of our body. That's the, really the bottom line. And so people are not taught, you know, they have a class in high school uh, for six weeks about health. But really, it's not anything that is uh, something you can put your hands in and really know about your body, really. And so we need to be putting health as as, as our number one priority for everyone, and really start teaching health classes and teaching people how to obtain health. Mm -hmm. Health isn't something you're just automatically given, unfortunately. It's something that you, number one, you prioritize that value, but number two, you understand how this magnificent miracle works for you every single day. And now we're living in an industrialized technical society, that we can see today that illness is at an all-time high not only in older people but in young people we're seeing young people diagnosed with lots of chronic diseases cancer being one but many other chronic diseases so our paradigm of medicine is not serving the survivability of humanity i mean we now know the life expectancy has i think gone down now three years in a row So I I think the whole thing, concept of health, and when you go to the doctor, the doctor goes, oh, you look fine. And uh, your little chemistry in a CBC, oh, it looks fine.
0: Well, and I wanted to say too, Dr. V, I imagine what this self-exam breast kit is really doing for patients as well is really empowering them, especially when it comes to cancer. I think there's this element of just, I have no control. I don't know what to do. I'm just trusting the whims and the wills of my doctor. <clears throat> and I think this can really do a lot to put the power and just yeah, that empowerment back in their hands.
1: Absolutely, and that's why I'm I'm so excited about this tool because women want to know, but you know, their doctors will say, "Oh, don't worry, you know, we'll we'll do it for you. You don't have to learn that." Um, But, you know, your doctor may touch your breasts once a year. You have the opportunity to touch them every day or once a month or whatever you choose to do. And, you know, you can know the the subtle changes that are going on in your breast tissue. And and I'm sure, Dr. Keneally, you've seen this time and time again. Women get a, you know, a clear mammogram and and sometimes even a clear ultrasound or clear thermography. But there's this lump in their breast and they're concerned about it. So, you know, I tell them if if they poo-poo it and they say, oh, don't worry. About it, come back in six months, but your gut is telling you that something doesn't feel right. Really pursue it and push it and, and get some more diagnostic tests or see another doctor, get another opinion because you're most of the time you're right if you have that feeling.
2: Yeah, that brings up an interesting story. I saw a patient yesterday and she uh, had been seeing her own GYN and she also saw a surgeon because. She, she did breast imaging, and they found a cyst on her breast, and she said that the doctors, the surgeon, and the GYN said, oh, it's nothing, don't worry about it at all. So she was 67, 68 years of age. So she came to see me, and she said, Dr. Kinley, what do you think? So I said, well, uh, it looks like a cyst, but imaging doesn't tell you if it's cancer or not. I mean, look at all the patients that get mammograms and it's false positive. I think it's a 54%. -hmm. So they do false positives. The patient's scared to death. They get all anxious and worried. What is it? Then they get invasive procedures that are probably not necessary. And so, but I, so I tell patients, no matter what imaging you do, it doesn't say it's definitively X. OK, what it appears like is a cyst, but unfortunately, we don't know. So before I recommend invasive biopsies and all of that, so I tell the patient, look, let's do a blood test. Um, we use the lab RGCC, which I know Dr. Veronique is familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, let's lo- do something called the uncotrace. And the oncotrace will tell you if you have circulating tumor cells and if it's possibly breast. It also detects other cancers also. But if we have circulating tumor cells, we know something is brewing, simmering, fermenting, okay? So actually circulating tumor cells frequently, not all the time, but frequently show up before the lump or bump appear. And so I tell patients... Let's do that test. Well, sure enough, she had circulating tumor cells. And so, and it was breast. And so then I did, of course, an entire workup. Now, her doctors continue to say that it's nothing. Now, she's not going to them that much at all anymore, but she is following her protocol. We also did acupuncture meridian assessment to see what is contributing to this perfect storm and maybe cancer. Um, So, circulating tumor cells don't tell you, oh, yes, you have cancer somewhere in your body because there's lots of patients who have circulating tumor cells that when you do scans, whole body scans, whether it's MRIs or CTs or ultrasound, whatever imaging we have to decide to do, it doesn't mean that there is a big tumor. So you can that's why it's so good to do that screening test, which has a pretty high accuracy and rate. And so it's it would be a good for any kind of abnormality, not just for the breast, but for other things. I had a patient who had a pleural nodule. A pleura is uh, the covering the blanket of the lungs. And so her doctor told her, oh, it's nothing, don't worry about it and everything. So I said, okay, let's just make sure. But sure enough, I found circulating tumor cells. So uh, again, we have these testing. Uh, I tell people 1.2 million articles come out in the literature every year. It is impossible. <laughs> so you have to update yourself all the time. I have to. I'm sure Dr. V does. And I would need we'd all need a team of, you know, 50 people to go through, but we have to get updating ourselves. It's not, you know, people talk about conventional and alternative. It's not con- it's conventional western medicine with new updated information. That's what we're practicing, okay? And not that we have all the answers at all, but we try to have the most preventive, proactive, personalized approach to each patient because it is so much easier to prevent cancer than treat cancer. And so we all need to embrace these new ways. I know that I had to. I had to be open to it. And sure enough, after doing it and seeing it, it has helped so many patients live very productive lives without ever seeing a surgeon, without ever getting a biopsy, and, and no interruption in their lives. And so this is needs to be uh, the way doctors need to practice. It just They have to go back to school Mm -hmm. and study it, just like our entire staff has done, Dr. V has done. You have to go back and research, and then you have to research every single day.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, and I love so much, Dr. Veronique, that you're pointing out, if your intuition is telling you something's off, don't stop digging, because just from a personal note, that's exactly what happened with me. I had a weird lump, a weird pain. My regular conventional doctor, whom I do not see anymore, by the way, said, you know what, it's probably your gallbladder. You're fine. And my intuition was like, I think I need to get this checked out. And that led me to Dr. Keneally. That led me on my own personal journey. But the message there is absolutely no one knows your body better than you do. And it can be so hard. I'm sure you have patients who come in who might be scared to death because their oncologists use some kind of fear tactic what have do you see that often oh that's i think that's the biggest
1: um Hurdle. Yes, the biggest hurdle when when uh, you know they first call us and they you know they've just been diagnosed and you know if if they don't get on that treadmill of surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, they're going to die in two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's really undoing the fear and you know and our our motto is to really empower women so they never fear breast cancer again Mm. and that comes through education helping them to understand that cancer is the symptom it's not the cause helping them to understand that what led to the cancer developing to that point can be undone and you know there is so much information now that shows us how you know what cancer is and what cancer is not and how we have so much power over our body's ability to heal, just, I mean, everything from, you know, epigenetics, nutrigenomics, you know, meditation, all these things that can really enhance the, um, the function of our immune system. And then, you know, all the work that Dr. Keneally does with all the various therapies. I mean, there are so many things that we have access to now that, you know, we didn't have access to 30, 40 years ago.
0: So going along this line of early detection, which I think is something that a lot of people aren't aware of, right? Because I, and you, you guys will have to fact check me on this. I believe a mammogram can't detect a lump under a certain size. Maybe it's like five millimeters or something like that. Because I, I know my lump was two millimeters and I have brent- dense mm-hmm. breast tissue. And so my ultrasound tech said this would not have come up on a mammogram.
1: Mm -hmm. but the
0: ultrasound caught it. And so what I want to ask is what other tests, right? We have imaging and we've talked about different imaging we can do maybe on a yearly basis in addition to a mammogram, but what other tests would you recommend women do maybe on an annual basis to try and catch breast cancer as early as possible? I know Dr. V, you mentioned briefly checking vitamin D levels. What else would you throw in there?
1: Uh, Definitely, as Dr. Keneally mentioned, you know, looking at the HbA1c, which shows us if they're insulin resistant, you know, doing uh, fasting insulin as well, because we know that if you are a type 2 diabetic, then you are insulin resistant, which is going to cause inflammation, and inflammation is the foundation for, you know, all disease, and so looking at inflammatory markers, like Dr. Keneally mentioned, you know, the C-reactive protein, uh, ESR, L. LDH you know those are three that I like to look at homocysteine is another one because that'll give us a clue to see if they have a propensity towards not being able to break down certain hormones in their body Um, doing saliva testing for the hormones looking at the thyroid you know the thyroid is key women who are on thyroid, synthetic thyroid medication are twice as likely to develop breast cancer than those who are not. So that's really key, making sure that your wow. thyroid is, you know, is is very healthy and, and functioning properly. Um, what else, Dr. Keneally? There's so many things out there.
2: Right. Well, I think you're right. Uh, all that comprehensive and it's very easy to do these blood tests. They're covered by conventional um, insurance companies. And it is a great uh, window to what's going on because unfortunately, most people are pre-diabetic. Most people have inflammation. Most people have low vitamin D levels. And then support de- more detailed, she mentioned hormones. All of women's hormones need to be checked, whether you're 25 or 65. It doesn't matter because hormones are the natural drugs to your body. They also protect you, but also they also define you. And so, like, for example, if you have low thyroid, which is the battery to your body, that drives the metabolism of every single cell. So, But you've got to look at the thyroid in a deep, deep fashion, not just... Simple testing. It's got to be comprehensive testing. Uh, You have to look at your adrenals, your DHEA sulfate, and your cortisol. So if you have chronic high cortisol, you're going to predispose yourself to inflammation and cancer. So DHEA is the single most repairing hormone in your body. So you got to make sure that's good. And a lot of us have lots of stress. Stress is normal, but too much isn't good. Now, some of the other tests that I will look at also, if I want to dig deeper, I will do something called the PHI. The PHI tells me that the patient is in hypoxia. So Otto Warburg got a Nobel Prize that cancer is an anaerobic environment. Anaerobic means without oxygen. So people who are overweight will have tend to have high PHI. People who have sleep apnea, people who don't move, like their body is stagnant and they don't move, will may have a tendency to have uh, elevated PHI. So we know that... Uh, cancer cells thrive in a low oxygen, sugary, acidic environment. So they did, it was interesting, Seafried wrote the book, Me- Me- Cancer, and Metabolic Disease. And he had the, took ca- cancerous mice and he made them fast and their cancer went away. <laughs> <laughs> so really simple. You'd think that that would make front page nudes everywhere. Unfortunately, it didn't. So uh, we have all these people, we, obesity is, you know, approaching about 50% of the population. We should be helping our patients get their health and life back on track. It doesn't have to be a monumental thing, but we need to create this awareness that obesity is an inflammatory condition and inflammation creates all diseases, not just cancer but heart disease, Alzheimer's, and all these diseases are increasing. Cancers increasing, heart disease is increasing, and Alzheimer's is increasing. So we can really um, we can really help and support our patients. We can commu- in community help our patients, but unfortunately. Uh, blueberries and broccoli are not advertised on television. (laughs) Being healthy is not advertised on television. The priority and value of health is not front and center. And I tell people, it has to be because your, your whole health impinges on your daily existence. Whether you're a mother or not, you can't be a good mother. You can't be a good employee. You can't be a good family member, and you can't be a good member of the community. And we all are interconnected. So we need to be helping each other be the most excellent person mm-hmm. that we can be. Mm-hmm. So um, then, uh, obviously, we talked about the RGCC test. Uh, that is, I tell people, you know, it's it's a very inexpensive test for saving you lots of su- suffering and anguish and, uh, you know, the interruption of your life. Mm-hmm. And so since, since cancer in men is one in two and probably 40% of females, it's something that we should be due to be saving people's lives mm-hmm. and not just their possibility of being diagnosed with cancer. Because I always ask the patient, like, what was your first symptom? Well, their first symptom, the cancer's, you know, stage four, you know, oh, I got abdominal bloating. Oh, I had pain. Oh, I had bleeding. But this cancer started 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So we had nine years of opportunity to do the simple blood work we talked about and doing the uh, circulating tumor cell Mm test. So even on your typical blood work you can see lots of abnormalities and things you need to fix and educate the patient. But now doctors do not have time. They are on a clock. They need to be five minutes in, five minutes out. So there is no public education and there's no physician education. So that the whole public health system is wrong. I mean, why? Look at this pandemic. Why aren't we telling people to be healthy? That is the number one thing that you can change and influence. And it and you could that change of eating right, exercising, vitamin D ch- changes your terrain in 72 hours. Mm-hmm. So we need to be all talking about health restoration.
1: And if I may add something to that too. Um... Dental is another important part to look at because if you have a mouth full of metal fillings or you've got gum disease, you know, women who have gum disease are, you know, twice as likely to develop breast cancer than those who don't. So the oral mor- microbiome is very, very key when it comes to prevention as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Two things. First, I just, it's almost laughable, the yearly checkups that we're supposed to do, right? Like Dr. C, you said, you know, they check like three markers, they tap on your knee, they listen to your heart, and then they send you home. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's so many other things and it's really not that much. It's basically just a few more vials of blood that your doctor pulls. So it's not that hard. What's hard is finding a practitioner who values that and is gonna say, yeah, let's take a peek at that. But secondly, I think the other thing here is We sort of have this philosophy here, especially in the United States, of, well, if the house isn't burning down, we don't need to do anything. And I'm wondering for both you, Dr. V and Dr. Keneally, do you also sometimes find it hard when you have a patient come in that has a lot of red flags for cancer, but because it maybe isn't coming up as a big, big, the house is burning down, do you also find it hard to get them to make those lifestyle shifts
1: absolutely actually i had a personal experience with a friend of mine a good friend of mine who was getting ready to have hip surgery you know replace uh, you know have a hip replaced and she showed me her blood work and i mean she was a you know heart attack waiting to happen and i begged her and her husband please don't have the surgery fix your health first you know do these things she went to you know a blood specialist he said oh you're fine you can have the surgery well she had the surgery and four weeks later she died of a heart attack you know so it's you know i and that's just an example of what we see all the time you know they 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 have not been trained to, you know, look outside the box. And as Dr. Keneally mentioned, you know, to look at health versus dis-ease, you know, unless you are a raging, you know, cancer or whatever, you know, they just don't understand. They're good at fixing crisis things. You know, if I have a heart attack, if I break a bone, yes, they're really good at those things. But to be able to teach their patients about prevention and health and wellness, because there's not much money to be made if you keep your patients healthy. Right. I mean, that's what the whole medical system is based on. It's a, it's a disease system. It's not a healthcare system.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Right. And I think Leanne brought up the point is some people, you know, don't want to take charge of their health. I had my patient yesterday, she uh, is from Texas And so she comes, she's 11 years out of stage four ovarian cancer, 11 years, which as you know, Mm -hmm. is unheard of because ovarian cancer is caught very late because your pelvic cavity doesn't feel abnormalities until the cancer is big. And so at least the breast you can feel, you know, but the ovaries, that cavity is so capacious that you don't feel symptoms. Well, then they go in and do major surgery, which is immunosuppressive and injurious, which I'll talk about in a second. And then they do chemotherapy. Well, she did have surgery and she did have chemotherapy. And then she, des- she decided to take health in her own hands and got healthy and is now 11 years out from her diagnosis and treatment. And so she told me yesterday... So because I asked her, I said, would you do a testimonial to share that there, that ovarian cancer patients can survive and thrive? I go, look at you. You look like a model of health. She's like in her 60s. I go, you look like a little, you know, model. <laughs> and I go, you're going to Greece and you uh, know how to take care of yourself. I mean, she sees me maybe once a year for her annual uh, check-in and all the things that we do. And uh, I said, no one would believe that you are, you, you, you had stage four. She's still living, kind of, with her disease. Believe it or not, she's got a lymph node in her right groin, uh, but it's in check, okay. Mm-hmm. And she's been living in checkmate with the cancer, with no interruption in her life whatsoever. And she goes, Well, Dr. King, I try to tell people and share what to do. She goes, but they're not willing to do it. And I always have a famous saying, I say, when the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. Mm. And so, you know, we all have to come to our own realization what we're willing to do to save our life. And so I would encourage everyone listening out there is yes, you can take charge. It's not that difficult. And it will give you the most beautiful life and discovery that you could possibly have. And on another note about the surgery, um, there was a uh, um, a documentary or a movie, um, and one of my staff told me about it. And you mentioned your friend with hip surgery. So my next book, which when I have a little bit of time, it's about preparing for surgery. And I talk about this on a previous, I think, podcast, didn't I? Yeah. Because I had 18 hours of back surgery two years ago. And uh, I prepared for quite some time before and after. And we we need to prepare and arm the patient with health and a good... Preoperative workup by a doctor who's looking at all of these things because a lot of people do not realize, and the doctors are not telling the patients that surgery is a huge undertaking on the body. It's super injurious mm-hmm. and it's super immunosuppressive. And we should be preparing all our patients, which is what we do here, for surgery. Okay. Mm-hmm. And looking at every marker, every possible thing that the patient can do, because we could be preventing lots of complications, lots of emotional. It's very emotional, too. It's very traumatic and traumatic, dramatic and traumatic to undergo surgery. And so just going, just going and having imaging studies is dramatic and (laughs) traumatic, much less going, undergoing anesthesia, not knowing what's going to happen when you wake up. And I know because I've had enough health interruptions to have undergone my own processes. And so it's, we, we've got to do surgical preparation. We've got mentally, physically, emotionally, So that the patient knows they're going to have a great outcome and do the health, do the hyperbaric oxygen, do the IV vitamin C, make sure they don't have inflammation. For example, if they have high sugar, they're not going to heal. So if you have pre-diabetic or diabetic, just that alone, you won't heal properly. So, uh, So patients need to arm themselves with this great information and partner with a functional integrative practitioner who can really lead them to great health.
1: You know, I love that you're going to write a book on surgery. I just blogged about, about preparing for surgery yesterday, and we looked at the emotional aspect and really having a, a frank discussion with the anesthesiologist and the doctor and asking them to watch their language when you're under anesthesia because everything that they're saying is going into your subconscious mind and to be able to make statements that this surgery is going really well and you're going to heal very quickly. And when you wake up, your pain will be minimized and you will, you know, you'll have an, an appetite. You'll be ready to, you know, to start nourishing your body, you know, just these little things that are so important. And so I know, Dr. Keneally, that book is going to be such a helpful tool to have.
0: And just to close it out, one more question for each of you to answer and just chime in on. So if you were to have a breast cancer patient come in today, what would be one of the first pieces of information that you would want to impart upon them? And then, Dr. B, I do want to also make sure that you mention your book as well, and we'll make sure it's linked in the show notes. Okay. Thank you. Um,
1: the first thing we tell our clients is to breathe and to really allow them to take the time to let the diagnosis sit with them because you know, there's there's so much chatter going on in the brain and your body. You know, it, it's a traumatic event, this diagnosis, and and women have post-traumatic stress syndrome as a result of it, and so so many of them are like deer in headlights, and you know, your body, your mind cannot. Uh, function and and you cannot make a sound decision when you're in that state so we really encourage them to right away we start working on the emotions and helping them to calm down and giving them tools to do that And then you know show them the options you know this is what you can expect from conventional treatments this is what you can expect with you know alternative or or you know evidence-based natural medicine and if you choose to do a combination of both you know that's that's ultimately your decision but this is your body your choice, you know you may have pressure from the outside um, to do something different, but you have to feel good about what you're doing. and and you know always remember that cancer is the symptom. It's not the cause. you know what is your body telling you about what's led up to that point? You know, really be honest with yourself about your lifestyle, you know the stresses you have in your life. How are you treating your body? Are you, you know, burning the candle at both ends, you know, really it's it's a time for reflection and, and really embarking on a journey that if you choose to, you know, be better and not bitter about it, then you will come out on the other side, a happier and healthier person. Hmm.
2: Right. And I think like you mentioned earlier, so many patients are intimidated with fear. I would say that's the number one tactic mm-hmm. in visits today at, at their doctor's office, whether it's the surgeon or the oncologist, you better do this or you're going to die. And unfortunately, that in and of itself is one of the causes of, of progression. And so we we can't we can't operate out of fear. So that's why Doctor V said, "Breathe. Let's understand your situation. We can figure out in a week or so." all the things that are going on, whether it's your blood work, whether it's your physical exam, whether it's the stress, you know, stress, breast cancer is uh, unrest in your nest. And so that means something is going on in your nest, whether it's your children, your mother, uh, in-law. And if you ask every patient, they will be able to connect their stress with the cancer. They usually always reveal what has been going on, and so until you get all of these things really, uh, you know, addressing them and doing something about them. Like I had a patient yesterday, uh, she, breast cancer. She's from the East Coast, and she goes, "You know, I, I, I didn't think I needed emotional work, and then I <laughs> did it." And she goes, "It's been life changing. I had no idea." So now she's here for all of her treatments so she's not doing co- conventional at all but she said I I like everybody thinks they're okay because as Dr. V mentioned we're living in our subconscious which is 95%. So you drove today you didn't think about you driving you you just did it automatic so and we now know that our stress starts from in utero to where you are today, and it's bioaccumulated over time, and you've just learned to live with that belief, that emotion, those feelings, and so now you have to understand what the significance of all of those emotional experiences, and let's face it, we've all had trauma and drama, all of us. But how did, it, how did it keep score in our body? Yeah. And how is it affecting us? So patients should not jump in. And there's probably usually hardly ever an emergency when it comes to breast cancer. And so you have time to do your own studying, your own research, which both of us can direct and guide you. But the most important thing is to be peaceful and calm about all of your decisions mm-hmm. so that it's not um it's it's not an eruptive experience instead you've done your due diligence
0: and on the note of learning and studying more dr v can you just share the title of your book Yes, it's uh, Heal Breast Cancer Naturally, Seven Essential Steps to Beating Breast Cancer. Okay, perfect. We will make sure that is linked in the show notes. Well, Dr. Keneally, thank you for being here. Dr. V, thank you so much. This was, I mean, I could just talk to both of you for hours. There's literally Mm -hmm. so much we could unpack. So thank you, though, so much for just sharing your time, your knowledge, your personal experiences. I know it's so, so expansive. Thank you. Thank you for having me
1: and sharing this message of hope.